testing. Does that work and sound good? <laughs> of good audio quality? Good audio quality. That's what we're trying. We're trying to achieve good audio quality. Did we get it? No. Hello. Hi. This is... <laughs> no, okay, wait, start over. Okay. Hello. This is Abstract Factory, a podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Mark. This is episode four. Meta. We are... Hi, Casey. Hi. Hi, Mark. It's July 11th. 11th. You and I right now are sitting in a room in a rehearsal space in, uh, I guess, Midtown Manhattan. I guess this would be considered the Theater District or Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. I think Theater District, probably. Yeah. And um, this space is one of the few, I guess spaces we found that you could rent in Manhattan for a reasonable price. And uh, people come to this space to rent out rooms for um, musical rehearsals, dance classes, uh, auditions. auditions. We've heard, I remember we heard uh, Matilda. Was that Matilda the yeah, musical was I auditioning think, one time? So, yeah. year. Um, and we, we just chose this space because there's... Um, panels of fabric on the wall which is I guess supposed to make this uh, a little bit more acoustic noise friendly noise canceling but I think as our listeners know it doesn't really work that way yeah I don't think we've figured it out I sometimes wonder if just like a room with things in it would be as good at muffling sound as like fancy weird art deco style paneling yeah it's kind of a, a strange neighborhood and um, strange because it's both sort of the gritty, gritty parts of Midtown Manhattan near the Port Authority, but also sort of a epicenter of Broadway and that giant industry that is in New York. Yeah, and like the parts that we don't know or think about or understand because we just go to the tickets booth and get discount tickets to see Kinky Boots. Yeah. On a Sunday afternoon. Right. You know, in Times Square. We don't come five blocks south of there to see the strange office buildings that have been converted into recording space slash practice rooms. Yeah. And here we are recording a podcast. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting because I think when we decided to make a podcast, we just said, okay, let's make a podcast and... Okay, now, now, now what? <laughs> I got a computer with GarageBand. Um, I got a microphone, a blue Yeti, mm-hmm. picked on the recommendation of <laughs> the wire cutter. And you think, well, that now, now what? Well, now you got to find a place that's comfortable to record. And uh, I don't know about your apartment, but my apartment is not the quietest place in the city. No, um, I actually live across the street from a construction project. Oh, yeah. Where they're building a new subway line. Oh, so right. It's often very loud at my apartment. Yeah. Um, and I think 
in working on the podcast and editing the podcast, I think one of the most frustrating things for me has been uh, the audio quality. I feel like I've never, you know, as I sit and listen to the episodes and re-record the episodes, I've never quite sort of just understood what goes into audio, like how we make the quality of the audio better. Right. And um, I think there's obvious things we can do, but all of those things require sort of a monetary investment. Mm -hmm. And I think early on, one of our goals as podcasters, potential podcasters, was to sort of try to do it as skinny as we could. Yeah. Well, and we wanted to see what we could get out of a certain investment money-wise, time-wise, you know, level of detail and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, we thought we could, through taste and through um, understanding of what we wanted, that we could accomplish something we were happy with. Um, and yeah, I think maybe we're still trying to figure out how to accomplish that. And I think part of it, too, is... I, I don't know about you, I've had a lot of hobbies mm-hmm. in my life, in my, you know, since I've become an adolescent or a teenager... Um, a lot of hobbies involve putting a lot into them mm-hmm. in order to be excited about them, whether that's spending money to have the equipment you need or um, spending a lot of time learning things up front before you ever even get results. Um, and so I think there's a healthy skepticism once you get to be a certain age where you start to say, is this a new hobby and how much am I willing to spend up front if I don't know if I'm going to be doing it six months from now, a year from now. Um, and just also assuming that no hobby you will be doing for more than three or four years, maybe. And I think one thing to consider, too, is that this is a project, right? Like, it's it's a hobby, but it's also something we are trying to do to create something, mm-hmm. to have a, an artifact, a result... Um, something we could be proud of, something that we could show and share with people. Um, and a lot of the times, the ones that you and I make, as far as those kinds of projects, are much closer to our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, it's programming or writing, uh, mostly those two things. <laughs> um, for you, maybe other things too, I'm not sure. No, I mean, um, I think it's it's that, and I think... Um, I think when we, you know we sort of started down the road of deciding to make a podcast, I was actually much more comfortable making the website for the podcast <laughs> than actually approaching the podcast. And I found that as I've gone through the process of editing, and I guess <clears throat> you know you wrote a blog post just after we published our first episode where you sort of outline kind of our ethos of behind abstract factory and what what we wanted out of it and we sort of stated that we wanted it to be short you know 30 minutes max um in sort of defiance of a lot of the podcasts that i think we listen to Mm -hmm. not saying that those podcasts are bad but i think the current trend is to have these sort of rambling 90 minute to two hour long episodes 
And I, I don't think that appealed to us. Mm-hmm. And I think what we maybe didn't realize at the time, or at least what I didn't realize at the time is that, so that meant that we would be editing the podcast. <laughs> and I think for me, that process has become frustrating, but in that sort of the way that unlocks creativity, but also just plain frustrating. And it's hard to know, like, given the audio quality and the, every time I listen to it, the issues that I have with the quality, it's like, how much should I be editing? I try to, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize how much editing goes into the show. We sit in this room for about an hour and a half (laughs) talking and, and that gets condensed to a, you know, approximately 30 minute long episode. And I've been consistently, I would say shocked basically, um, to see what happens even as someone who was in the room when it happened. Um, I came out of the second episode feeling like it was a mess. Like it had gone very poorly. Like I had been totally off topic and hadn't made any sense. Um, and the stress and the panic of thinking about that every day afterwards uh, would kind of make me nervous and anxious and things. But then as soon as I start hearing the, even just the first cuts that you that you send me, um, I'm like, oh, okay. Mark actually figured out how to make this make sense. He took <laughs> like this conversation we had and turned it into something that people could actually make sense of and that they might actually, you know, get some value out of or learn something or uh, you know who knows so I guess I'm wondering like as far as your experience with the editing goes like do you feel like you're is it something that you are still learning how to do are you making progress on that do you enjoy the act of getting better at editing Hmm, that's a good question um before I really came into programming as a career, I was into film and I studied film in college and I became really familiar with um, editing and mm. editing with software. Um, so it was something I was comfortable with. And um, I've, I found, I guess, while editing this show, one is um, sort of how can I make this as simple as possible? How can I spend um, the smallest amount of time and make the most impact on the show while editing? And so I think um, in between, you know, from the first episode to now, how do I, how do I go, you know, scan through the episode, listen to the episode, break it up into chunks, into pieces, learn what to delete, learn what to keep, learn mm-hmm. what to reorder, and then going in another pass to sort of take out some of these pauses and ums and I, I don't catch them all, learning which ones are <laughs> worth catching and which ones aren't. So that's part of the process that I'm learning is how to sort of make the most out of the time I have to edit um, yeah. and sort of the economy of um, audio, but um, I, it also feels frustrating. It feels frustrating to cut out pieces that I think are good, but maybe don't reinforce the theme that, of the episode that we wanted, or um, just need to be cut out of for time's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, 
that I, I kind of have to make the judgment about what's more important, the time that we want to keep or the content. And that's, especially with this, the episode three, um, been really difficult. Um, so I think that's the process, um, which so it's a process that's not really around the tool, the tool, the garage band that I use to edit, but mm-hmm. really just around like what what is the story that I think you and I are trying to tell, and how can I how can I make the best interpretation of that? Uh, the other thing is that I find you know to, quite frankly when I'm editing the podcast. I get bored really quickly. It becomes tedious. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're just sort of like listening to, you know, I find it really difficult to listen to my voice and to just <laughs> listen to me saying something kind of inane over and over again. I say things like, ooh, that's interesting and mm, fascinating. I, I say that a lot and it, <laughs> it drives me nuts. That's fascinating, Mark. So I think on today's episode... Well, we want to really just talk about the creation of this podcast and how it came to be, how it is, our own personal journey in creating it and recording it, and I think how you and I both approach the creative process generally. Sure. Um, Well, you told me not to prepare for this one, so I don't have anything to say when you just leave it open like that. Well, you know, we we had lunch yesterday, and I said, um, we were talking about all kinds of things. You just released something called uh, Narratron, Mm -hmm. which is a a web application you made to, uh, I'll I'll try to describe it, but it's, um, I guess there's a, a thing called Exquisite Corpse. I was doing, I was today reading about exquisite corpse which i guess came out from like the surrealist movement where you take um a fragment of a story or a sentence and without knowing anything else about the story you just add the next sentence and then go through the chain sequence and so exquisite corpse is a or narratron Mm -hmm. is a way to do that on line and on the web and i think it's really fun yeah well it's a it's that and related art forms are things that i've been interested in for a really long time um if i if this is an appropriate thing to talk about for longer i don't know yeah um it's uh when i was a kid we used to fold pieces of paper into thirds um so there's a top a, a middle and a bottom um and once you had the sheet of paper uh folded then you would get together with two other people and you would um, each draw the head of a monster on the top third of the piece of paper and then you would fold it down so you couldn't see that and you would draw some little lines to indicate you know where the neck was or whatever and then the next person you'd pass the paper over the next person would draw the torso of the monster and they would fold that down draw some little lines to indicate and then the next person would draw the legs of the monster or the tentacles or whatever the bottom piece was um, and then when you unfolded the piece of paper, you had this kind of like crazy wild monster that just looked totally ridiculous. Um, and it was kind of a collaborative process with people. Um, it was kind of a fun thing to do with friends. Um, and then when I got older, there was a game that kind of started making the rounds. And it's had a few different names that I've seen. Um, but one of the more popular ones was um, Eat Poop You Cat, which 
is a weird name for a game. But um, <laughs> it's sort of a mix of the two where uh, you frequently use paper and you fold it in pieces um, and you alternate between drawing and then writing a sentence that describes a drawing. And then you draw something that, just, that you know, fits that description. Um, and you go back and forth. And then the chain of kind of how the sentence changes over the course of all these drawings is kind of a funny thing to see what pieces get picked up and left behind, what drawings get misinterpreted by people who aren't good at drawing, people who aren't good at recognizing drawings, things like that. Um, and there have even been some online versions of that. Um, our friend uh, David Cole was working on uh, an iPhone version at one point on a, at a company he was working at that never saw the light of day, unfortunately. And uh, uh, Garrett, uh, at Hey It's Garrett on Twitter, um, he built a thing with some friends called Doodle or Die, which was pretty popular um, and has a good community built around it. And so I've always been just kind of interested in that sort of like collaborative, creative game idea. It's, it's a game, but it's also a, an active creative expression. Um, and yeah, I wanted to build this for a while and I built it and it's been fun. Yeah, it, I think it's, it's a really cool idea. Um, but if, what's interesting, I think, and why I wanted to bring it up is because you, know, you were talking about, like, well, it's a Rails application, and you're going to deploy this Rails application onto your own yeah. uh, server, and sort of the vagaries of, you know, it's one thing to make this creative project and to sort of build it, and it's another thing to sort of put it out in the world, and I think as we talk about the podcast and our process of recording it and editing it in this the anxieties we have about the product, you know, <laughs> then it's like, okay, now we got to actually get it out into the world. Um, yeah. And as we talk about the audio quality of this and the, like, how do you know when it's just time to just release it and ship, you know, right. to ship it? Yeah. I don't think with my side projects I've ever felt like ready to release them. Yeah. Usually I show it to a friend or two and the high I get off of them saying it looks good or it sounds good is just enough for me to be like, all right, whatever, I'll just get it out there and get it over with because I'm never going to do it otherwise. Um, I wasn't ready to show Neratron to people last night. And then I showed it to some friends and they were just so positive about it, just so overwhelmingly positive and I didn't see any major bugs of the first couple of people. <laughs> One person found, actually, our friend Amit found something really pretty brutal, and I fixed it right away, luckily. Um, but then in the morning, I was just like, everyone likes it. I'm just going to do it. There are tons of features missing. There's things that aren't done yet. There's probably more problems. But I never know when to, you know, I never know when it's done. Like, it's hard to know. Yeah, I, and for me, I almost, with my projects, my side project, including this podcast, um, I think, you know, there's email threads between us to, <laughs> to, uh, back me up on this. I, I just say like, I can't, I can't continue to just work on this. I have to release it. Right. Like releasing and shipping something becomes this forcing function where it's like, well, it, it, it will never meet the standard that I want. And so if I don't just get it out there, it's, it's going to sit. Right. Like I, 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 often release half-baked things and create stubs of things because I feel like if I if I don't get something out of my hands as quick as possible, then I'm going to just 
continue forever right twiddling with it and i i think with the podcast i think part of why i didn't want to make an investment in more audio equipment or better editing software or anything like that is out of that need to um get something out as, as soon as possible and as direct as possible and if the consequence of that is um poor audio quality as someone does something in a room nearby <laughs> um if the consequence of that is poor audio quality or edit an edit that I'm not really happy about and I'm willing to live with that yeah and I think part of it is recognizing that like it's so unlikely that of all of any one thing that you do or release or make that that will be like the one like that will be your best thing ever that there's almost no point in fretting over it for too long because it's just holding you off from learning the lessons you can from this one and moving on to the next one. Yeah. Um, and you can see that almost directly with, you know, pieces of software you build where you learn how to use a new tool or a new library or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not sure that we've seen individual things from episode to episode so far, although obviously we've only done a handful of these. Um, we, we've had discussions where we said, <laughs> we realized we got to the end of an episode and had no idea how to end an episode of a podcast yeah. and hadn't like planned that out. So before the, the next time we came with notes and an outline of how you would end a podcast, what things you would mention, how you would make sure to remind people that, the music that you use is by people you like and you really appreciate their work. Um, those kinds of things um, <laughs> that you're doing the obligatory things to tell everyone to, you know, review us on iTunes and we're also on a thing called Stitcher. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things. Um, I think we're learning those things one at a time, but there's definitely yeah. more to learn and more to figure out. Yeah, I almost think. I think for you and I, at least, the the act of making the podcast, the act of you and me sort of deciding that this is a topic that we feel something about, we want to talk about, let's get in a room and record ourselves talking about it, the act is more important than sort of the result at the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have like Google Analytics set up and... I don't know. I haven't really looked at it in a while. I don't know how often... I mean, do you... For your other projects, for Narratron, for some of your Twitter bots, like, are you sort of actively concerned about the metrics of those things? Um, not metrics. I, I actually... I don't know how many Twitter followers most of my bots have. I know my most successful one I watch from time to time. I think it's somewhere around 100... 25, 150 now. Um, but I don't watch the numbers so much. I watch Twitter a lot. I watch for just like emotional reactions from people because that, I like that. It makes me feel happy to see someone liked something that I made. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably watch that too much. I have one big, uh, like, unified search saved that has a bunch of keywords and mentions of bots accounts and things um and i check that you know when i open my, my twitter client just to kind of see 
in part because with when you have bots, you want to make sure that they're not running off the rails and saying something offensive, and, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, but also because I like, I just, you know, selfishly like seeing someone, you know, give it a, a hashtag FF or, uh, you know, mention that a tiny letter that I make is good or whatever. I guess I'm more emotionally driven than numbers driven, so. Yeah. Do you monitor, like, because you've had some, some projects that have taken off to some extent, software projects and things that have been pretty popular like do you monitor those in the long run do you do you know like how many people are starring your github repos or do you look at analytics for older projects like your uh your businessman api or anything like that no no i mean i get no i i know that um Weary, which is a Ruby gem I wrote, has mm-hmm. a lot of stars, more like a surprising amount of stars <laughs> on GitHub. But I actually don't think it's maybe used very often. I don't know if people are using it. And there's ways of finding out through like the Ruby gems API and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, I, I actually, there's not a great feedback loop between me and the people using my stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I'm okay with. But then I feel like occasionally I get a pull request for for a piece of code that I wrote, and it's like, oh, well, someone's using it, I guess. Yeah. There's a sense of guilt, I feel, which is like, well, should I be paying more attention to this? Um, but I, no, I, I think I'm actually pretty, pretty bad at it. Hmm. Um, I mean, I care. I put a lot of effort into trying to make those things... Um, easily, easy to understand, um, well documented, but I kind of just let them leave them on their own. I think the same is true with um, the podcast. When so, you know, sort of anecdotally, I just want to talk about the the website for Abstract Factory, mm-hmm. which to me is like really important. You know, we, you and I like, I think, kind of stupidly decided like we want a sort of a unique piece of art for every <laughs> episode uh-huh which i like for me choosing those things and choosing the colors to represent each episode is like a, a lot of fun mm-hmm. for the analytics of a podcast it's uh, at least for me it's like really hard to figure out like how do you know how many unique lis- listeners you have it's like is it a combination of ip address and user agent and Right. You know how do you like how do you differentiate different users of iTunes and it's, it's like you really can at least not from like a simple server log and it's funny because for us it it's like it doesn't matter because we don't have advertisers we don't have yeah people to you know justify yeah, that, our <laughs> our reach to we don't we don't think about our reach it's not a, yeah but a it's term interesting. we worry about you it's know? interesting because um, I think in setting up and publishing the podcast. Even though I don't think we've ever really been concerned about our reach, we just, I think, wanted our friends to listen to it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I still sort of went through the trouble of, like, setting up this awk script. Although, like, I don't know how other podcasters do it. I don't have a basis of comparison. So I sort of, like, built this like I would build a statically hosted blog. Our episodes are uploaded to S3, and I use these aux scripts to pull down the logs from S3. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting, but 
that being said, I almost really never look at the logs. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many reviews we have in iTunes. I think it's minimal. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's I went through the trouble because going through the trouble was the fun part almost. Right. Yeah. It was an excuse to play with Auk, which I think is something that someone like you or me would find interesting. Yeah. hard to keep a schedule (laughs) it seems like longer too um in part because i think you you have finished school in the time i mean not school but the semester in the Mm -hmm. time since uh we did that um i have a new job yeah in the time since we did that um it just it seems like a very long time ago um and i i regret not finding a way to keep up the schedule because it was something I wanted to figure out how to do yeah to guarantee regular updates and and a, a consistent you know not like saying we're always going to come out on a particular day of the month or even to say we're going to come out once a month but just frequently enough there was some kind of pattern or some kind of you know right general assurance that one would be coming down the, the pipe a certain speed or whatever yeah and it's I think one of the trade-offs we made when we said, um, let's keep the podcast down to a certain period of time is that I think that meant that we would be spending more time editing and maybe it would be easier to keep a schedule if we just sort of talked and recorded and released without <laughs> without music or without editing. And, but then it's like, then I, my question is, well, if we were going to do that, how could we justify doing that when the audio quality is so poor? Right. Well, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't trust myself to stay on topic. I think that you probably do wonders for me as far as <laughs> stopping me from repeating myself or, you know, getting totally off track. Um, so I, I think it's essential to what we do, but I, I don't know. I think you and I, when deciding to do Abstract Factory, compared it to a lot of other podcasts. Mm-hmm. One of those being, I think, Back to Work with yeah. uh, Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin. And there's a kind of aimlessness to that podcast yes. that you and I, I think, said we actively did not want to do. <laughs> right. And whether or not we are <laughs> successful is... Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think the way I, th- I think about it a lot, and I, I do think about it a lot because my relationship with podcasts as a listener changes a lot over time as my, my habits and my, my life changes. I think that I frequently break podcasts down into, like, three different groups. Um, and, you know, it's like the, I, I want to hear the content of this podcast. There's the, I want to kind of have a relationship with this podcast i want to hear the people who are on it talking i want to kind of have awareness of the vibe of their humor or their their conversational style or whatever and there are podcasts that are just like i need to listen to a podcast because i have (laughs) a 12-hour drive or i have a commute you know two and two hours each way each you know five days a week um and those are the kind of the three buckets of podcasts that i will listen to depending on how much time I have to listen to podcasts. Um, and I, I want to be in the the bucket where the people who are listening are people who want to hear the content. 
of mm-hmm. what I have to say and what you have to say and what we can discover from each other in the process of saying those things. I, I think back to work for a long time for me was in the second bucket where I liked hearing the tone of it. I liked, you know, I remembered fondly the parts where there was content that I could glean from it that I found important to listen to and to learn about. And having those good feelings and going down into the, I just like hearing these people talk to each other bucket was great. It worked out well. But then when I had less time for podcasts, that kind of mm-hmm. whole tier of podcasts just became yeah. not something I was interested and in. And there's, there's sort of the podcasts of people that I want to support. So mm-hmm. like Marco's podcast, like uh, ATP. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time listening to it. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, my habits have shifted. And I think when we recorded, like when we set out to record, and make abstract factory it was like i think one of the things we wanted was to match our habits our listening habits as best we could right yeah so what are your listening habits currently um i listen to i subscribe to bullseye Mm -hmm. but i it's taken me a while to just be okay with missing episodes yeah um and i i subscribe to the talk show but I also find the talk show to sometimes be kind of aimless, mm-hmm. but occasionally valuable. Um, my favorite, favorite podcasts are Radiolab, um, which is published at a schedule that is infrequent mm-hmm. enough for me to, when it does come out, I'm like, oh, this is great. And, you know, they do an amazing job producing it. Mm-hmm. I subscribe to a podcast called Criminal, which also is sort of published not so frequently, and when it comes out, it's uh, usually pretty short, um, and it's also super well produced. And I think my favorite favorite podcast to listen to is TLDR. And I think if there was anything that I yeah. wanted Abstract Factory to be, it would be like TLDR um, in content, in quality. But I think the difference there is that you know they have this really great produced thing where they interview people and they. Mm-hmm sort of explore a topic, and I I kind of like just... I like our format, which feels like... Well, and I think that they're story-seeking in some ways, where they're... The the schedule they operate on, and the... the, Not full-time, but the schedule... You know, the amount of time they dedicate to it as a project. Um, And and their background is just more of a a journalistic sort of thing, where they're, they're looking for a good story to tell about one particular thing and then expanding from there and figuring out what it says about the rest of everything. Whereas I think that you and I are kind of from the outside in, we think about what is the topic that we've been having on our minds or that people are thinking about or that's popular among our friends, our peer group. And then, okay, well, what, what do we have to say about that? Do we have something of value to say about the, that topic? So we kind of come in from the opposite yeah. direction. Yeah, and you'll notice, I think, with all of those... Um, for the most part, they're they're pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, on a, I listen to podcasts when I'm commuting, but I don't just listen to podcasts. Sometimes I want to read Instapaper. Sometimes, right. like, so the ability to just sort of like have something kind of short is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, but I think that you know, those things are produced and they're produced by like NPR and like WNYC in the case of. Uh, I think at least a couple of them. Um, But I think because 
we have sort of chosen to have this shorter form thing by necessity to make it shorter form it needs to be produced therefore the schedule becomes more erratic <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm, I wish there was a middle way <laughs> right yeah and, and I've I've actually been surprised to hear with a lot of podcasts okay not with a lot with a number of the best podcasts it can sound somewhat effortless and very casual yeah but the amount of precision and editing and work that goes into it to make it sound like that is immense. I know that, for example, You Look Nice Today mm-hmm. is a podcast that a lot of people really liked and that it feels like a, like a conversation. Like, if, if you're not listening closely, close, very closely, you might find that it sounds like three guys sat down and had a conversation for 45 minutes or however long it was and then turned it off and uploaded that file to... Yeah. server or whatever you know they put the interstitial music in or whatever and they're just like okay we're done um but i know in talking to adam i think both of us have talked to adam about this he worked really really hard uh to edit it it was a lot of work um and a lot of why it was so good i think is not just because the three of them were so funny but because adam was a skilled editor he does mm-hmm. it for his job um he's has a good sense of comic timing himself and was able to maximize on the source audio that he had to turn it into something really wonderful and and magical um but i have heard of some podcasts that i like and respect that are mostly just they turn it on they record it for an hour and a half and they shut it off well you know speaking of merlin man i I find one of the podcasts i find actually really entertaining is roderick on the line Hmm. like i think that's just a, a fun podcast and i don't it, i get the impression that it's just the two of them talking and yeah you know, well entertaining characters i wonder from what i see when people manage to pull it off if people who can do that are performers in some way mm-hmm. that i am not and I, I mean i don't know if you feel that way or not like if i just don't have it in me to like pull off that kind of performance which is sustained. It's an, you know, if it's an hour and a half long podcast, you're you're on and you're getting it and you're doing it right for an hour and a half. There's a Magic the Gathering podcast I listen to that the the guy who who hosts it swears he he and his co-host turn it on, they record. There are no breaks. It's frequently an hour and a half to 2 hours long. They do a, a commercial at the beginning for their sponsor, and they have a song that plays them out at the end, and that's it. Um, and I don't know how he does it. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I, I mean, two hours, like, I, I can't even speak well for two minutes. Yeah, and I wonder what it is. Uh, you know, it's like I, I can't help but be filled with sort of these questions of, and doubts, which is, do we prepare enough for the show? <clears throat> You know, you and I, like, every episode has a theme that we stick to and that we've chosen. Months and months ago, we've chosen the themes for our episodes. And do we struggle with keeping... I I feel like, you know, as the editor, sometimes it's a struggle to keep within the theme (laughs) of the podcast. And I think with some of those other podcasts, it's like they're able to sort of... The theme is broad enough because there's not really a theme per episode. Hmm. The pod, the subject of the podcast is broad enough to sort of um, talk at length. 
if if we were to do a a news podcast where we talked about tech news, mm-hmm. you know, would the would the conversation flow in such a way that would maybe be more interesting to listen to? <laughs> I have that question. I I think it would be worse. <laughs> and I feel like we've maybe had this argument. But yeah, I mean, I guess if we can just touch very briefly on what, how did we do this? Like, why are we here? What happened? Well, so we're, we're in the IRC channel. And the IRC channel uh, that we're in, you know, was, we're constantly coming up with, uh, I mean, the whole group is like, I don't think I'm going to do this thing. I think I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> and uh, for a while it was uh, <laughs> weekly newsletters. Yes. Um, and one of those took off. <laughs> um, some, most of the time it's programming projects, but I think um, at one point it was like, oh, let's make a podcast. We should make a podcast. And I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time, different kinds of podcasts with different formats. And I don't know why. I just thought it would be some, something to do. Sure. Um, and I think you said... One day, I think I, I think I had probably asked everybody in the channel. And I was like, oh, I'm not really interested in that. And then one day, I think you said, "Yeah, let's do a podcast." That's how I remember it happening. Yeah, I think I was. It was over New Year's Eve, or like over that kind of week, because I know I was I was on vacation, and we kind of started going back and forth about it. And finally, I was just like, "Yeah, that would be fun as long as Mark is willing to do all the work. I'll show up and talk into a microphone." Yeah. Um, and I think part of it too is that I wanted an excuse to talk to you more often because you had <laughs> left the company I was working at, mm. um, and it seemed like a good way to sucker you into talking to me about topics <laughs> for a while. Yeah, um, but I, I also think we both yeah shared this idea of like what is it that we wanted to make? I think mm-hmm. we both knew that we wanted to make something that I think is what we're recording. Right. It's like yeah. it, each episode focuses on one particular topic that sort of bridges the different interests that we have um, that is somewhat topical and current, more or less. Yeah, I mean, I think we, <laughs> I think that's probably where we differ, where we've differed the most is that I think maybe you were hoping for it to always be like very topical and very like following the the beat of the community yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And maybe I've been kind of pushing back against that. I don't know if that's for better or for worse. Well, I think um, it, it actually strikes a good balance. You know, I think looking back on you know our corpus of work, which is pretty <laughs> small, you know, I think we touched on Keybase when it, you know, around the time it launched. I, I think I've been pretty happy. We talked about Twitch plays Pokemon and, you know, all those things happened this year. But I think that's... <laughs> Topical that's, enough. That's fair. And I think, uh, I just, I think that both of us really said, you know, we wanted to ship something mm-hmm. and do it under a certain set of constraints. And we knew what we did not want to be. And I think that was what was important. Right. The name abstract factory is of course a programming pattern written about in the gang of four design patterns book and i always thought it was a really funny name 
Yeah. Because it, it, I feel like for a non-programmer, it, it evokes like a kind of a strange phenomenon. Almost sinister in some ways. <laughs> uh, that's what I, I think. And um, I think both of us are, I know, listeners of Night Vale. Mm-hmm. And uh, sinister is a tone that we... Uh, find I think, amusing. Yeah. Find amusing and usually relevant. Yeah. And I just, yeah, happen to have a domain name because, yeah, I collect domain names as I'm sure everybody collects you have no domain idea. names. Yeah. I tried so hard to find an existing domain name that I already owned for Naratron <laughs> because I was just like rooting around in my domain names, like, there's got to be one in here somewhere that I can use for this. And I finally just gave up and I saw that Naratron.com was available and that became it. But yeah, we should do it domain name pool and <laughs> swap them with people or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it would be a fun project is if you sort of said, look, these are all the domain names I own mm-hmm. and sort of open it up to the community to say, what the hell should I do with these? <laughs> what project can I possibly make to match this domain? I wonder if, if domain name registration transfers were not harder or yeah, were, if they weren't as hard as they are. Uh, if it would be possible to have a like white elephant gift exchange <laughs> where everyone puts in just the worst domain name they currently have register- registered and then you get a random one from that pool and you have to build something with it. That's a great be, idea. That should be a thing. I almost feel like that's a good, <laughs> good end. This has been Abstract Factory, a podcast. You just listened to it. (laughs) Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Impel and probably some other things that I'm not supposed to talk about. Oh, let's just start over. Let's just talk about (laughs) it. We'll just talk quickly. Okay. You've been listening to Abstract Factory. I'm Mark Wunsch. I'm Casey Kolderup. Uh, make sure to go see our website at abstractfactory.tv. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast impl, I-M-P-L. And um, all of the links and notes and things should be in the show notes, either through your podcast player or on our website. Yeah. Make sure to rate us on iTunes. Five stars. Even six if you can find it, if you can figure out where that button is. Just give us six. Just, just this once. And uh, thanks a lot to our, our friends Inky and Vuber for the great music that we get to use every time we make one of these. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right.